welcome to the How to Publish Your Book podcast, where we're helping writers become authors. I'm Ashley Shannon, and I'm here with my co-host, Carrie McAvoy, and today we're going to talk about first drafts and um, all of the edits that come after, I guess, right? <laughs> right. Hi, guys. Good to see you guys today. Yeah. So Carrie and I are in this really unique position where we both have first drafts of something that have um, seen an editor. Has your seen an editor? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they've both been to an editor and both come back just kind of ripped to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> and today we're going to talk about um, where to start in your revisions, how we're revising, and um, kind of how to deal with that. Because I feel like, I don't know. Well, I feel like I was a brat. You probably weren't you're not really a brat person but like um when I got my edits back I was like nope you're wrong <laughs> like none of these are right I don't need your help <laughs> like <laughs> yeah but this is not my first rodeo you know I've self-published devotionals before so when I got that first draft back uh I had he said I had he, he tore me to pieces told me that editing it was in his words quote a nightmare that's what he said and then he said that uh, my authority in the book, I had no more authority to write the book than any Tom, Dick, or Sally. He has a sense of humor, the guy. So I, I walked around the house bawling and screaming for two days. And I, yeah, I would have tried to kick the cat if I had one, but I was very, very upset. So no, I can be a brat. And I definitely was a brat after that first experience, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I was too. Um... No, I didn't actually send mine to like an editor, editor. I passed mine off to a friend. Well, he is an editor, but um, so I kind of felt like, you know, I'm handing this to a friend. I guess maybe I thought he was going to go easy on me and I very much got it back. And he was like, what is the point of this? Like (laughs) for my prologue. And then like, you've got like so many chapters that just all you do is introduce us to characters for like six chapters. And so we decided that those needed to be rewritten. And oh my God, no, I do not want to rewrite six chapters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you're really touching on something important. And that is we tell everyone to write the shittiest first draft. But we get attached and we somehow think that our first drafts are magical and wonderful and that they that someone's going to find us and think that we have arrived and where have we been hiding all our lives and then what comes back is that it's a shitty draft. I don't know why we're surprised by that, but I'm always surprised, you know? So, um, I, you know, is it because there's a lot of emotional investment? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we tell writers, you know, embrace the suck and, and figure out, you know, understand that your first draft is going to suck. Doesn't matter how clean your copy is, like it's, it's gonna do it. But then I get it back from him and I'm like, no, not me. <laughs> like everybody else, <laughs> not me. Okay, I'm special. I'm a brat. That's what it really comes down to. I'm a brat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, and you can't see what you can't see. I mean, you're telling the story, so you don't often know that the way that you're bringing characters in is a little off, or your dialogue's maybe stiff, or maybe you're not doing enough of uh, setting the scene well so people can see themselves there. You don't really know that you're having problems there, and it takes an outside person who's completely foreign to the project to be able to see those things. But we, like you said, we forget that. And let's be honest, writing is a terribly, terribly personal experience. I don't care how long you've been doing it or... Um, 
what it is that you're writing about, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, it's still, it's, it feels like it's a part of you or something. It feels very personal, very intimate, like I'm inviting somebody in. And so when then when they're critiquing, it's like they're slashing my soul apart. It's what it feels like to me. It feels very right. painful. Yeah. It totally does. And it's, uh, it's one of those things where I felt like I had gotten past it. Um, I blog for a living. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I write every day. I post, oh, I try to post every day. And so in, you know, doing that, I kind of just, you know, there's going to be typos, you know, I'm going to, maybe I could have worded something better, but it's really about quantity versus quality in blogging. I don't care really what anybody else says in my career so far, quantity over quality. But when fiction, it's totally different. Like you want to put out the best product you can. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, there wasn't a single edit. I read through the entire book edit um, that he did. There wasn't a single thing that was off base or mean or anything like that. He's trying to make my book the best book it can possibly be. Right. But I am like, that's my baby. That's like basically telling me my baby is ugly. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> like, no, it's not. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. 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 In fact, my so mine is a memoir. <clears throat> Mine's a memoir. And <clears throat> my editor came back and said that she basically didn't like the protagonist. Which <laughs> she means she didn't like me. <laughs> yeah, right. Did she know it was a memoir? <laughs> yeah, she did, and she also knows me personally, but she's like, I'm sorry to tell you, but I, I just wanted to keep screaming at you. <laughs> at least she was like kind of nice about it. I would have been like, bitch, I don't like you either. <laughs> like, I know, I know. Like, oh man. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, you're pathetic. You're, I'm sorry to tell you, but I just wanted like get a backbone or something. <laughs> I totally get that. And like, that's kind of like screaming at the scary movie characters when you know, like the bimbo's about to die. But it, uh, in a memoir, it's a little different because like, I feel like we go through parts of our lives where we don't have backbones. And as much as everybody is screaming at us, telling us, you know, get the fuck up off the floor, like you don't, you don't do it. <laughs> so yeah, but there's, I know, I know what she's talking about because I'm also in a workshop group and the workshop group had been telling me the same thing. They'd been saying to me, I'm not bringing enough of interior diet, interior dialogue in. And I'm also not um, sharing enough of my emotional experience. So I come across kind of flat and mm -hmm. passive. And so that's very frustrating to the reader. They want, they don't understand the context for my flatness and passivity. So mm -hmm. When she said that to me, I knew exactly what the problem was. And I know, and I, so I have to fix that, which for me, it's a little different for you. You have to think, okay, more creatively, how, what would be happening in that situation that maybe I'm not describing or capturing well enough. I have to then, I have to like dig deeper into myself and saying, what was going on in that moment that I haven't realized, didn't know, maybe haven't, maybe it's new information to me, but what what may be occurring that I need to include that will make this more understandable and maybe and make me more sympathetic. So then that's hard because that means I have to share more of me, more of the pain, more of my story to put it into context. So it means I got to go deeper, is what it means. Okay, so I totally get that because your editor is basically telling you that in story form you are kind of two-dimensional and probably a lot like a mary um for those of you in a, the audience who don't know what a mary sue is it's um i think a bella swan in twilight like 
um, you know, kind of uh, lacking in flaws and just very, you know, one dimensional and doesn't have a lot of emotional anything really, you know? Um, so I could definitely see that. Um, I feel like that is going to be harder to edit than like, I just have to kind of move my timeline up. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I'll be able to reuse what I already have just in like different places throughout the Mm -hmm, series. mm -hmm. Um, so it's not as much rewriting, but, um, yeah, I don't, I'm I guess I don't envy you. <laughs> yeah, no, in fact, I, when I, I, I really rewrote the first chapter and I combined several and, and so I'm also cutting. So I've got my, my, my piece right now sits at, was sitting at 115,000 words. I want to get it down to 90,000. In fact, I talked to somebody else who like, <laughs> that's a lot of words to cut, but, but there's a lot of junk in there. And so what I, I am yeah. already like, just because the other thing that happens with a memoir is you, when you run through the first time, you tell, it's like you're vomiting out what happened. <laughs> and you tell things that don't really need to be there, that nobody cares, and it doesn't drive the story forward. So that's the other thing I'm asking myself, is it is this helpful or not helpful? Does it, is it moving the plot or is it is it just information or maybe it's meaningful to me? They often talk about kill your darling. So I'm, I'm having to like kill a lot of them. Um, so yeah, so I was able to, it took me almost five to six hours on that one chapter, just one chapter, but I think it's a lot stronger chapter and it's a setup. It's probably the most important chapter of the whole book. It's the first chapter because I got to set myself up. I got to set the situation up. I got to, I got to bring you in and make you feel bad about what's happening to explain what I'm about to do. That's really catastrophic. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm feeling much better about that first chapter. I feel like, I feel like it happens in fiction too, when you really want an audience to understand a character, but I feel like it happens a lot in memoir where you, you do, you over explain things because you want them to understand you and why you're making the shitty decisions you're making and how you felt in that exact moment. And there's a lot of times where the audience can kind of figure that out for themselves. You know, they, they will understand you throughout the process of the whole book. Um, you know, and you don't have to over explain everything. I do that too. In blog posts, I like, and I'm repetitive. (laughs) Like I say the same thing several times over just to, you know, drive the point home, which is normal for blogging and not normal for fiction. So, right. Yeah. And part of my problem is I haven't been saying enough you know, I'm, I'm autistic. And as a result of that, I often don't know what I feel in the moment. So I'm kind of like flat about a lot, which makes me really easy going and, and made me easy to take advantage of too. But, <laughs> but um, I, I have, so I have to really like, like sit and think what, what, what was going on that I'm not attending to, or wasn't including. And um, yeah, and especially since this story is about the fact that I had just lost my husband and ended up in this really disastrous marriage. So I had to like set up the loss. What did it look like to mm-hmm. completely have to start my life over again? And how did my social situation, in a, what was it in a way that made me vulnerable to be getting into a relationship much too fast with somebody? So I just didn't do a good job on the first time around. And and then the other hard part with memoirs is that you have this all this interior life and world that you need to include, but you're also needing to drive a story. So. How do you do that in a way that you don't want to overly action pack, which is what I tend to do, but you also don't want to sit forever and tell everybody everything. So it's this kind of this funny balancing act you have to do. But yeah, I'm into it now. I'm 5,000 words in. Um, My goal, you and I both have really lofty goals that we want to do this quickly. So 
I'm dedicating a lot of energy into this project this month. We'll see where we're at by the end of the month. Yeah, I, um, you talk about lofty goals. Like I want to publish this book. <laughs> like I, I, it's not a need. I don't need to publish it, but I would like to publish it. Um, you know, before, before things start to really get rolling with the rest of, you know, what's going on in our lives, our businesses and stuff like that. Um, so my goal is to publish first week of April. Yeah. And I'm saying that right now on the podcast so that everybody, you know, once the first week of April rolls around, everybody could be like, where's that book? <laughs> you that's know, right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, my goal, um, I think it's got to be a little, I think it, it, mine has to be June 1st because I do want to send it up to beta readers and I got to get the, t- the cover ready. So I have a few things that are not ready. So yeah, yeah. I, um, uh, once I get the series kind of rolling, um, June is actually the date that I was kind of playing with for um, my memoir, which is crazy to think that I'm going to start a series, um, which is like only halfway done and also write a memoir. <laughs> Have you been thinking about what you topic you want to write about? What, what, what could like, is it a theme or is it a period of time or is it a certain relationship or? Um, yeah. Oh, so it's, um, it's outlined and it's basically the, the seven or eight times where I've had to hit rock bottom and learn a lesson to then start over again Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's um you know and I think rock bottom looks different for everybody and I think that we do hit it um several times or it's more of like a you hit a low maybe it's not a rock bottom but you hit a low and have to reinvent yourself or change yourself or something like that so it's kind of just about um every time I hit a low and had to evolve as a person and how much it sucked I love that. It's about starting over. Yes. Very familiar with starting over. <laughs> and of course, on brand, it's called Girl Get Your Shit Together. <laughs> and I, always, I love that title. That's a great title. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Um, it's so much so that it's almost like a shiny new idea. Like I'm supposed to be redrafting and I'm like, but I want to write this thing over here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I've got this book that was supposed to be out several months ago. And I'm like, no, new shiny, this mm-hmm. one, <laughs> you know, have you written, so, I know you write creative nonfiction all the time as a blogger, you're a spiller blogger, storyteller, but have you written longer form like this before? No, I have not. How I mean, I have a book out. <laughs> How exciting. No. <laughs> how scary no um I have a I have a book out that is um personal essays and poetry about um letting go of my last relationship um which is spoiler alert I got back together with him after I published the book (laughs) but um it uh there's still there's still only like 1500 2000 word personal essays um they originally were blog posts so it is kind of daunting to think that like, I'm going to write a whole book about my life. I mean, who writes a memoir at 32? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I did at 52. Yeah, I just feel like I haven't lived enough life. But Oh, your point was you're not old enough. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Well, when I, when I went to outline it, I, I, once I got my theme figured out, you know, falling down, getting back up. I'm like, damn, <laughs> I've fallen out a lot. Like this could be two books. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, um, it's, it's been interesting, but it is, it is a little daunting. 
It is. It's, it's a scary process. And I, I, one of the books that I found that helped me a lot was uh, Your Life as Story by Tristan Rainier. And she in the book says this, and I actually put it on a post-it note and stuck it to my computer. And she says, write what you dare not say. And so I would, cause I would be terrified and I would look at that and I'd say, okay, so what am I not able to say? And there's where I need to start writing. Oof, that's heavy. I mean, I feel like I do that in blog posts. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've written about some pretty controversial subjects that have happened to me. Um, but the stuff that I really feel like I can't say, I write under a pen name and don't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this is kind of like, you know, opening up that kind of Pandora's box. Well, hopefully not Pandora's box, but, you know, kind of opening that up to. It's, um, yeah, sort of, yeah, it's a vulnerable process. I mean, very, very, very vulnerable process. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, I took a break from this book. So I got it finished last April, put it down for about a couple months then picked it up and start. So this is actually my third edit I'm moving into. Yeah. Picked it up and edited again um, and got sick of it. I mean, I just got to the place where I felt like I couldn't stand me. I couldn't stand any of the characters. I couldn't stand the story. So I put that back down maybe six weeks ago or so and it's just stuffed away. And then I did something completely different. I've never written longer form fiction. Mm -hmm. So so I started on that and started even a different point of view because I felt like I just needed like not only to get I needed to get away from nonfiction I needed to get away from first person point of view I, I want to do something completely different so I started writing a third person um, kind of more limited perspective and on a romance and so that I felt like that kind of like it helped me see this character of myself differently gave me space from her and and also gave me some ideas about how to talk about her in a different way that I didn't have before. You know, it's like learning, it's like me working on a certain muscle in a different way so that I can come back and do something I was doing better with more strength. Yeah. That's what, so I, that's what I feel like I'm able to come back like, okay, now I'm ready. I know better how to do this because I already just did 10,000 words over here on this and this way. I'm now I get this a little bit better, but yeah, it's, I think that's the other thing that maybe we're talking about first drafts is there's often something about whatever we're doing we don't really know how to do well mm -hmm. and we don't even maybe know that we're not doing it really well and so sometimes we need to step away and practice those things like for example i learned from this last edit that i'm very good at dialogue and uh, i also do a really good job with descriptors like setting scenes up and making people feel like they're there but I wasn't doing a very good job at, at, at explaining emotionally where everybody was. In fact, I was doing a better job with my antagonist than I was doing with my protagonist. So now I can come back in and say, okay, I got to really focus in on her and almost approach it as if it's third person, even though it's first person, which I think, I think I feel better. I feel more ready to do it this time. See, and I feel like I have stories like that. Um, where I've actually put them away because I've gotten like the outline done or something. And I'm like, this is an amazing story. I'm not ready for this. Like I am not a good enough writer to do this story justice. Mm. And they just sit and they sit until, and you know, at some point, hopefully I do feel like, you know, okay, I'm there. I'm at this level. I can create this world. I can, you know, but um, yeah, I, I think it's hard to kind of know, where that line is like am I 
not good enough to write this story, but I will learn or do I need to take, you know, some time. And so, and I think that's, I think it's good. Um, it's hard in self-publishing because you have to publish so rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I never used to be an advocate for writing a first draft and then putting it in a drawer and like leaving it alone for a while. A lot of writers do it. And I was like, no, you don't need to do that. Like it, that's, that's overkill. Um, but now looking at this first draft, it's has, you know, it has edit notes, but, um, it's almost like seeing it all over again. And I haven't seen it since November. Right. Right. Isn't it amazing so, how just that kind of break makes it feel completely fresh? It's like now yeah. you, you've, you've changed because you're still writing. That's the other thing that's really cool is when we, you keep at the craft, you're moving along and improving and don't even know that you're improving. And then when you can pack like, oh, no, that's not how I would say that today. I've already changed. Yeah. So I would. Yeah. But, but plus, you've also had more life experience in the few months or whatever. And it's new to you. It's fresh to you. You've never it's as if it feels as if you hadn't seen it. So yeah. it does really, really help to do that. It's cool. There, yeah, there are sometimes even like with blog posts and stuff, like when I was pulling the blog post to put together, um, this is me letting you go, which is my poetry book and personal essay book. Um, I was reading through them to like edit them. And I was like, I wrote this like me, like, damn. All right. Like, <laughs> uh, that's like cool. it, it's, it surprises you sometimes. And sometimes it surprises you in a bad way, but um, I'm finding that, yeah, it's interesting to see how much I've grown as a writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It, it, I, I find that amazing too. And how it, it can happen in a really short time too. And so I think, yeah, powering through a first draft is really important. It's often taking a break is really, really important, but getting good editorial advice is really important. And then humility, knowing the fact that you're going to be, you're going to come in and hear that it's not perfect. And that, that just sucks. That part hurts, but but it's a necessary part. I, I've learned my first experience with that first editor nice. No, he wasn't nice. He shouldn't have told me it was a nightmare. And by the way, he dripped his cert, he dripped his criticism. He sent the actually it was back before we had email. So he yeah. sent it in pieces by mail, oh. mailed it to me with stamps. <laughs> and I had to open pay section by section of this is horrible. I never thought I'd have to take this amount of time. You don't know the basics about blah, 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 blah. I mean, it was, so he dripped the, the, dripped the criticism. And then he ended it with this letter, a letter telling me how awful I was. So, uh, you know, I don't, don't advise hiring somebody like that for sure. But what I did learn, and I think this is something that you and I have been talking about just recently as well, is that it is a business. As much as we're writing about ourselves, what we're doing is also work and we have to get some distance from that. And you can't get better if someone can't tell you the truth. Oh, yeah. I would rather somebody tell me, be honest with me and tell me Mm. what needs work and what doesn't need work than tell me, oh, my God, this is great. You should hit publish today because then I'm just going to publish a pile of crap. Like, you know, niceness in writing it doesn't do anything for you, but feed your ego. And like, I'm not trying to get my ego fed. You yeah. Know? I'd so, like to feed my pocket, not my ego. Right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, and I'm, no I'm crap. So yeah, I'm patting my bank account. I don't need a pat on the back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, we can get that elsewhere. Right. <laughs> yes. 
seriously. So yeah, that's, and I know that, that in fact, I've heard people who, who've said to me, the reason they won't write is because this part, they can't tolerate this part. It's too uh, painful. Yeah. Those are very artistic writers, um, writers who, gosh, why, I don't know why Hemingway always comes to mind, but they have like the Hemingway complex of, you know, they're going to do it for the art. Um, and it's almost like if you're a writer and you make money, then you offend them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so how do you, but it does hurt. I mean, that's the reality. So Ashley, how do you, how do you cope with the fact that this isn't easy and this is painful and it's personal? So how do you, how do, how do you repair all that? <laughs> when you get like a bad edit or not a bad edit, cause most edits are going to be good. And even if it's a good edit, they're still probably gonna hurt your feelings a little bit. Um, for me personally, you know, it's like a put on your big girl panties, deal with this, it's work. Um, but uh, I, I've never had an edit that felt like it was attacking my story, um, whether it be like for a blog post, so it would be my actual like stuff I lived through um, or like, you know, this is just a bad story or whatever. Um, but I think it's just something that you have to, kind of grow thick skin over right yeah because they're not you have to understand you are hiring an editor i carry you a really bad experience so that this excludes that experience but for the most part your editor is a professional they want your book to do well their name is on that book as well so they're not like doing this just to hurt your feelings or to sabotage you or whatever it's you know they want to see you succeed and this is their advice um you can take it or leave it i most times i would say you should take it but yeah you're just gonna have to you know get some thick skin which sounds really like callous to say right mm -hmm. like yeah. oh you just have to be tough well <laughs> but but it help i think the way i do it and, and you're right i call it getting thick skin as well the way i do it though is i i realize that my work is not me yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not me. personal. No, no, it, it may be about me. It may have been, I may have cried writing it, but it's still not me. And it's just a piece of work. And the other thing is, and I think maybe this comes from having experience and I do, I have found blogging has been tremendously helpful because the feedback's so rapid that it's given me confidence that I'm a good writer so that when this happens, I can say, well, this is a common experience. People really like what I have to say. They want to hear what I have to say. And this is part of the process of making it the best piece possible. So knowing all that helps me then have perspective so that when, um, when edits come back and it's not the edits I want to hear, then I can remind myself those things. But yeah, it's not me. And if we're, if this is what we're looking to, to, confirm our value or confirm that we are um, special or wonderful. It's not the place to put the, it's not the, it's not the place to do that. You know, no. our work is not the place to do that. We can, we should get no. that elsewhere in our lives, not through, not through our work because then we're, it's setting up for tr trouble on lots of levels, you know, so because um, no, yeah. not everybody's going to like what you have to say. You're going to get the trolls. And on top of it, if you're going to start writing for your audience and then you're going to lose your voice. I mean, there's all sorts of problems that start to happen when you do that. Yeah, it's like um, that TikTok I keep seeing all the time that says, you know, I do not need validation from the Internet. And then the girl's like, I'm going to go make a TikTok. Um, <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> 
you have to figure out that you are a whole person, that you are a good writer, that what you want to say is important and valid and all of those things and keep that separate from getting an edit, reading comments, getting reviews, um, because it will tear you apart. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, writing for like Newsbreak, and I just wrote a blog post. I haven't posted it yet, but I just wrote a blog post about how reading the comments on Newsbreak was affecting my mental health. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about people who have literally told me that I should be sterilized, that yeah. I should shoot myself, that my kids should be taken away from me by CPS. Like, and and all of those were on an article about how I sometimes co-sleep with my six-year-old, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and so if that, if I was looking for validation, um, you know, for people to tell me that I'm a good writer, that I'm a good person, that I'm a good mother, dear Lord, like. Yeah, you and I would have found, can't... Our, found the gun and shot ourselves. Yeah, like I would not be here. So <laughs> exactly. it's definitely, you have to keep those two things separate. Yeah. Um, And then once you do that and you realize, okay, you know, the editing process, it's a business. It's just, it's just like any other business. It's just a critique. It's like a performance review. It's whatever you need to look at it to be um, helping you do better and have a better product. Exactly. I totally agree. Yeah. 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 It it definitely has to be something you have some, have to have some space from and it, 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 and you, and you get it by experience. You yeah. get you get it by having it hurt and then working through the pain and reminding yourself of the bigger picture. And the in fact, what happened with this first edit was I got so angry. I threw 40 to 60 percent of the book out, rewrote the damn thing and then paid him again to edit it because I want it was to me. It was my big, you know, this to him that I wanted to prove to him that I could do it. And and he came back and he had to admit it was a much better book. And I was at, that I did what you know I did it so. Um, but yeah, it took, it really took me having to get past the pain, past the anger and the past, even the humiliation. Let's admit it. Sometimes it's, you just feel stupid, you know, like you, you, you start to wonder, should I be doing this? Am I good enough? But what's helped me and I, and I don't remember which one of the Russian authors is one of the Russian authors who wrote these big tomes that mm-hmm. his editors or publishers actually had to drag the manuscript out of his hands because he kept re-editing <laughs> it. To him, to him, it never was good enough. And you just got to get to a point where you say, you know what, it is what it is and I, we're moving on and um, you know, it said what I needed to say at the time. Yeah, because perfect is the enemy of done. Like if yeah. you're waiting for your manuscript to be perfect, um, you will never publish anything ever. I mean, there's typos in traditionally published books and those see editors, mountains of editors. So many people go through those books and they still miss them. Um, Your books will never be perfect. Uh, You will probably not write the next great American novel. Like the next Gone with the Wind, you're probably not doing that. Maybe, but probably not. So, you know, it's just once you, I feel like it's freeing to know those things. Like I used to tell myself that all the time. You're not going to write a bestseller. Not right now maybe someday, but like this book that I'm working on right now, you know, it's probably going to do really well. And that's it. That's okay. You know, it's, I think it's freeing to, to tell yourself that and to not be like, oh yeah, this is going to make me hit the New York times bestseller list. Right. That's a lot of pressure to put on yourself 
at any time. So you know, it's a really good point. I love that. I love the idea of you saying you allowing it the imperfection. You're right. It is really freeing for you to admit this isn't going to be perfect. I know it's not going to be perfect. It's my story and people want to hear it. And there, there are people who want to hear. It. I mean, we know there's an audience for these things because people, in fact, you know, there's something I just recently published and someone said, this is what I needed. I'm saving it so I can go back and hear it again. And I thought, see, maybe that's for that one person. Maybe that's all yeah. the audience that needed to be was for that one person. But yeah, so it's important that we do it. We just important that we take off the pressure around it and don't set ourselves up for failure because we're so perfectionistic. Yeah, I, I almost feel like it should be a mantra now. Like, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write this blog post, and it's like, it's going to suck. That's okay. Like, <laughs> Well, that's the other thing about viral. You know, how many times have you and I ever written something and said, oh, this will be viral? Not, no. Mm -mm. no, no. The ones that go are the ones that I wouldn't have thought would go. And the ones that I, I'm sure will go do not. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's always the ones that you write, like, in an hour. Yeah. Where you're complaining or um, right. like bitching about something. And, you know, the ones that you spend 13 hours, two days on That's um, right. are the ones five times. Yeah. Are the, yeah. Are the ones that get like four reads, don't even right, make you right. a dollar. Like, right. And the um, other ones I love for me is when I write a piece, I, oft, I often have sentences that are my favorites that like I cry over when I write them. And I think that they're gorgeous and no one will highlight them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And then we'll highlight the ones around like, no, that's just a stupid statement. It's yeah, it's special. It's always the ones where I'm like, the internet can be a bitch or something like that. <laughs> Those are the ones that get highlighted. Not like, you know, the ones that are eloquently eloquently written. It's the ones where I'm like cursing and it's stupid. <laughs> like, right. fuck this. Like, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, it, it, the whole, I think like, again, I, isn't it amazing how blogging has given you and I a perspective? I really, I guess that one of the things I'm taking away from this is I'm really grateful that I'm a regular blogger because it has, yeah. helped, me. It has helped me with publishing. It's helped me to like reset my expectations, to have engagement with audience and know what audience really likes, to even figure out who my audience is and get to know them, you know, have conversations with them. Um, it, it's immediate feedback so that I know that there's people who actually enjoy what I have to say. I mean, all of that helps. So that gives me the confidence that when, when I do this editing with my draft, I can say, yeah, well, this is just part of the process. I think that's kind of the validation that is good. I don't ever think that you should like expect that readers are going to validate you in some way, but writing on medium, being a blogger, it does. It did for me. Um, it was kind of like, there was a couple of things where, you know, I'm not alone. There was validation in that. Mm -hmm. I'm not the only person that's had a fucked up life and come out the other end successful. And, um, and then, uh, you know, I can write decently. Right. Like that, that, those three things were validated and I can make money from my writing. So, right. you know, those four things were validated for me in being when I started blogging. And so I think those are okay. But I mean, I don't know, like, when I started to write, I didn't write expecting those. So I don't think you should ever expect to be validated in any way. But if you are, then it's like a 
perk, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope it doesn't come across saying I think one should do that for this, but I I do think it's helpful helpful to do writing in a variety of things to get more confidence in yourself, you know, and 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 also to ha develop relationships because that's the other thing these this other writing opportunities do, even whether it's on Instagram or Medium or LinkedIn or wherever it is that you're you're doing it, is you're building relationships and connections with people because that's that's really what audience platform is is just relationships yeah so it gives you an opportunity to, to develop a relationship and figure out what people want to hear from you and 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 for example one of the things that brought me back to this book because i really considered for a while just not finishing it not telling the story mm -hmm. putting it away permanently was that in the same week i had three to four people they totally random across various platforms and in person say, we need to hear the story. I'm really, I'm really disappointed that you aren't finishing it. So <laughs> I, I, it helped me. It helped me a lot to be able to give me the, the, um, the wherewithal that I kind of needed to get back into it and do it. Um, yeah, so it's an interesting thing. I think that's kind of this give and take that happens in this organic thing that happens between you and the audience that's really in interesting you know it's very engaging i think so you have to be, like you said you have to be careful i agree with you i hear you ashley you can't you can't use it as a way, way to validate it cannot be your validation but it can be this dynamic engagement that happens i think so and i i just don't think you guys should ever seek validation from an outside source you have to validate yourself right so by you know getting emails and things like from readers and having those connections yes that does is a form of validation but if i would have never like been like oh okay i can do this or done the work then those wouldn't have happened right. so it's i still kind of see it as like i made this happen i manifest this or i didn't manifest anything i just did a lot of freaking work but um <laughs> so you know it's but um uh yeah i i think that you can have that connection or whatever but just understand that nothing is concrete nothing is forever i've seen readers turn on people oh yeah with smaller accounts and bigger accounts um i would never i find it interesting that you decided to pick up the memoir because people were asking for it and if i was in that situation i would have been like I'm working on whatever the fuck I want. Like you don't dictate what I want to work on. And um, that just kind of shows like a different relationship that we have with our audiences. Like I keep, I talk to my audience, like they are my best friend that I drink with, but I actually keep them kind of a little bit further away. I think than you do, I don't interact with them as much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's I just kind of, yeah, well, we, you and I are different people. So. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I, I think the other part for me was this has sort of been a mission for me. You know, mm -hmm. there's a part of this is a, um, it fits in with me being a psychologist, making sense of how does bad shit happen to people and, and that can happen to anyone, including somebody who's well-educated and should know better. Yeah. So for me to hear that it was that they felt that there was a place for that that this story was important. That that's what I needed to hear. It wasn't that I wanted so much to please them. It's that, okay, really what it come down to was I got to the place in the story where I felt so ashamed and so like such a fool that I couldn't bear looking at myself anymore. But to hear people come in and say, 
No, we need to know that we aren't alone, that everyone feels this bad. That's what I needed to hear for me to say, it's, wor it's worth the uncomfortableness to tell the story if it's helpful to others to know that we're all in this together. So does that make more sense than why I picked it up? That totally makes sense because I get emails like that, um, you know, when it comes to like talking about BPD or all these different things where I'm like, oh, okay, I'll talk about that, um, you know, uh, or, and so I will blog that way. I don't think I would ever book that way, I guess, or write a book, book, book that way. Um, I don't think I would ever write like pick what I was going to write for fiction or whatever that way. Um, I have a schedule. I like would like to stick to that schedule. But when it comes to blogging, I mean, the main reason I blog is to work through my own stuff and then yeah. to let other people know that they're not alone. So yeah, if somebody came to me and was like, what's your experience with X, Y, Z? Then I would be like, oh, okay, I'll write that right. post. Oh. Well, and I actually put it down. <laughs> so the so my massage therapist, <laughs> he thought that I was exaggerating he, that when he hears how bad it was, he, there's a part of him that wonder. he said, if he didn't know me, he'd think I was lying, that I couldn't have been that bad. Yeah, that, that was very painful. And then when I saw him the next time I said, yeah, well, that kind of influenced me to step away. I just, I don't want to be one of these hysterical drama, drama related kind of people. And he said, wait, 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 no, you missed the context. Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to say that about you. I was saying how naive of me to think this kind of horrible thing doesn't happen to other people. You need to tell the story because people yeah. like me need to know that it happens. So, yeah. so it, was a, it was a whole kind of, there was a lot of like things kind of coming together that, that made me like, oh, okay. Maybe the me stepping away was me being cowardly and feeling so much shame that my story was collapsing me. Maybe I need to find the courage for me to go ahead and say, damn it, I'm finishing this piece. So yeah, it's not that I was trying to please them as more of me <laughs> grappling with my own self image around the story, which, yeah. was, which was one reason why I wasn't saying more how I felt in the story was because it was, you know, it's, it's just a very painful story. So. <laughs> It is. And it's, you know, I can't imagine, I mean, I know I'm going to get, I'm going to write a memoir and it's going to be edited, but oh my gosh, I could not imagine somebody like editing my life story. Like we need to write it this way or whatever. That's not how it happened though. <laughs> like, you know, I can just feel myself being, I'm already getting worked up. Like I'm going to be very combative. I have a feeling. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and you can't change the fact they are what they are, but it forces, okay, so if they are what they are, and that is exactly what happened, then how did it happen? And then you have to ask yourself deeper, well, what was going on with me? What did I really believe? What did I think? What was I feeling? What was I wanting? What was I needing? What was I hoping to change? So it does, it forces you to go down, down more, because then one thing I, I heard, and it really was powerful, the more the more deep you go and the more specific you are in your vulnerability, the more universally that truth will be. So more people will relate to that. But it's painful. I mean, it's just uncomfortable to do that. I know, really. Like, why? Why did we decide to make careers out of talking about shit that sucks in our life? <laughs> Well, that's an Who does that? Well, <laughs> I think we could like spend some time on a couch over this. Yeah, exactly. No. I've had people tell me, in fact, I've had people tell me in certain circles that this book is their, they see it as their, the, their voice telling their story too. 
because there's a whole victim group that's, you know. So, yeah, that is a lot of weight. I think, and I think writers often carry that weight, that we end up being the mouthpiece on some of these issues. Yes, I fully believe that. Yeah. I, I, I really do. Um, gosh, from anything from like autism to BPD to single mom to all, I feel that all the time. And that is so much pressure. It like, is. I just want to, I just want to write, like, go away. Well, it's kind of a calling. I get, you know, we kind of talked, we started out about even why write at all. I think, you know, one of, one of our first podcasts, but I feel like to me, it is a calling. You know, I, I, I just, I, I can't not do this. In fact, I get upset. I pull out, I pull my computer up and start typing. No. Yeah. It's how, how I handle my life. It's like, yeah, exactly. The minute <laughs> I worked up, I pull up notes and start working on an essay. It's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's just kind of me. It's how, and I think, I think writers are like that. That's how you know you're a writer is when you do that. <laughs> you're like, I just broke up. I need to write something. Instead <laughs> <Right. laughs> of right. long letter, I'm just going to write a blog. Yeah, right. Oh, I was so that girl though. Oh my gosh, the letters I have written. Oh, me too. Oh my God. They're blog posts right there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Um. Okay, so we got a little a slightly off topic, but going back to first drafts and working with editors and what happens when you get your first draft back from your editor? What is the one piece of advice you would give our reader or readers, our listeners? <laughs> um, remind yourself it is not you. It's a piece of work. It's not you. And it doesn't have the, the ability to define you. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you kind of stole mine. So I'm going to say um, read your editor's notes with a glass of wine <laughs> <laughs> or, or or like a you know a piece of chocolate whatever your vice is when you hear bad news just you know take it with a grain of salt and uh have a drink <laughs> exactly. exactly yeah exactly and remember they are it is not the end of the world and if there is something that you really really feel strongly about it's okay to disagree with your editor like yeah. it is um, I wouldn't say ignore all of their edits because obviously it's their job and, oh yeah, you paid them. But, um, you know, if you feel super strongly about something, ask them, explain it to them, see, you know, just kind of be okay with having a conversation and, uh, maybe making a compromise. Exactly. I have actually had dialogues on a certain point. My editor often writes comments and thoughts because my pieces tend to be nonfiction. So they'll you know, they'll kind of talk about that topic and it'll be an interesting back and forth that I get to makes that area richer for doing that. So I agree. And I don't always agree with them. Sometimes I think they don't quite understand and I'll go with what I think, but that's, you're right. That maybe is less than 10% of the time, maybe closer to five to 3%. I mean, it's very, yeah. very small because they're the experts on this. I am not. Um, but yeah, and it takes trust. I think the other thing, Ashley, is I would really emphasize is that it's important to be working with somebody you know that's good, that knows knows this this area, and also that you know that you that that they have your back and they want mm -hmm. a good piece as well from you. It's so true because, like, it is it it. I think in any stage, um, it's a vulnerable situation. Yeah. Um, it is. 
when you write something, you know, the door is closed. You're doing it on your own. You're probably not sharing, you know, it with somebody right away. And then to reveal that to somebody, you have to be able to trust them. So um, more than anything, you know, make sure you're working with somebody that you trust and that you are going to enjoy working with. And so, yeah, that's a big thing. It is a really big thing. It's important to have a good relationship with the editor. Hmm. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Um, let's see. If you guys listened to last week's episode when we were talking to Tara Blair Ball about TikTok, um, just so you guys know, we're on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we both launched bravely. Yep, we're on. <laughs> like this. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, with some fear and trembling for sure, for sure. Which is funny because you and I have videotaped these too, so that we're, but yeah, it feels different. I don't know why. How weird is it? Like, I recorded the first of these podcasts with you with no makeup on. Like, my hair was pulled up. I don't even think I had showered that day. And now I'm like, oh God, I don't want to do TikTok. I don't want the internet to see me. Oh, talking like, about two confessions there, Ashley. Yeah, whatever. But um, it's just, it is funny how flipping scared I was to like post that first video. And I was like, you know, I do not belong here. Like I'm too old to be here. <laughs> Everybody's going to tell me I'm too old to be here. Like that's literally how I felt, but actually it's been kind of cool. So I'm, I'm having fun. Yeah, me too. So. Me too. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, I, I think my growth there will be different than yours. We got a different niche going, but it's going to be really interesting to do this and learn about it. And I'm learning a lot about how to think about content in a different way, you know, how to make it 15, 20 second sound bites instead of, yeah, right. instead of a 1000 word essay. I mean, the good news is that 15 seconds is about how long my ADD lets me focus on something. So it's perfect. Like I can only focus on something for 15 seconds. So, right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if you guys want to follow us on TikTok, our links are down below in the show notes. Um, don't forget that we are still running our discord community. And if you would like to support us there, uh, the link for that is down below and it will take you to Patreon um yeah it may oh sign up for a newsletter visit our website uh don't forget to like and subscribe um is there anything else i'm forgetting no no just I'm just I really love that we have these listeners it's so awesome i am so excited mm. um our listeners the amount of our audience grows every week and mm. i just feel so freaking blessed that people want to listen to us gab yeah, yeah very touched <laughs> very touched so thank you awesome. so much guys it really means a lot to us yes it really does and um if you have any questions or concerns you can email us and other than that we'll see you guys next week all right bye-bye guys bye guys bye.